This morning, what I want to talk about is seeking paradise. Seeking paradise. Just within the last week, I saw some things and I was reminded of paradise and what some people call paradise. Seeking paradise. Paradise, by definition, means heaven or a place of state, a place or state of bliss. And I think when we look up words and we look up the words that define those words, I think it's helpful. Heaven, the word heaven means the abode of deity and of the blessed dead. That's not a surprise to you, right? It also is a spiritual state of everlasting communion with God. But in the world's thinking, it is a place of supreme happiness. It's a place of supreme happiness. So they really disregard the first two and they say it's a place of supreme happiness. The word bliss, which is a place of state or bliss, really in the world, this is how the world views paradise and heaven, is complete happiness or joy. And then joy means a feeling of happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. That's really what the world thinks of as joy when they sense happiness and joy, a, a place of paradise, a place of heaven. They think of joy being something that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. Other than heaven, most the most common definitions for paradise are centered around how we feel, how we're doing, or how successful we are in various areas of our lives. So they rely upon external circumstances or internal feelings. This is really the way the world views paradise, striving to create an oasis to the best of their ability so they can enjoy life and achieve happiness. That's really what people are trying to reach, a state of paradise, a state of happiness, a state of enjoyment, a state of joy. But what does the Bible say about paradise? Paradise is from the Greek word paradision, which means a term, it's a term that's used also in the Garden of Eden, but in the New Testament, it, re, it refers to a place of blessedness in the third heaven where God resides on His throne. This is what Paul wrote about paradise in 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4. You may want to jot some of the ver these verses down because I have about 22 different places that I'm going to re reference today. I counted them because I thought, man, there's a lot in here. Pastor, you're going to read 22 different verses? Actually, there's more verses than 22. But um, I, I, I'm going to preach the Word and, and see, where, uh, see where this takes us today. 2 Corinthians 2, 12, uh, 12, chapter, 12, chapter, verse 2 says, I know a man who, in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that, that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body... I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. So in this paradise that Paul was talking about, in the very presence of God, God reveals himself to those who are not seeking paradise in this world, but paradise in the presence of the Lord. 
Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 says, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to, to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So the very presence of the Lord, the paradise of God, that's where the tree of life is, the place where God is. Paradise is where Jesus went when he hung, uh, after he hung on the cross. Luke 23, 43, where he was talking to the, the thief hanging on the cross. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today that you will be with me in paradise. Paradise in, is heaven and it represents the very presence of the Lord where Jesus is. When we seek the paradise of God and not the happiness of this world, only then can we find the true inner source of happiness and real joy, not from external circumstances that we can we can use to try to make us feel that way. But the joy from the Lord is not just from success or a general feeling of temporary happiness or elation, but from His love for us as the recipients of, of, of His love and His divine nature. As we already, we already realized, we talked about when we partook of communion, we reflected on the sacrifice that He made, the love that He has for us, the perfect sacrifice that He is. And when we think about those things, when we purpose us to stop and think about those things. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And I think that if we would stop for just a moment and we would we begin to think about what everything that God has for us. We can say, oh, I'm thankful for the Lord. But really are we? How thankful are we for the Lord? And we stop and we just begin to think about those things that He has done for us. We begin to think about everything that He's done for us and everything that He means to us. We thank Him for the air that we breathe, the things that He provides for us. And whatever socioeconomic status that you may be in, there is plenty to thank Him for. The joy that comes from the Lord is a powerful joy. Seeking paradise on this earth is elusive, but seeking paradise, which is the place and the presence of the Lord, will cause joy to constantly and consistently spring up within you and the oasis that you may crave will more than satisfy your soul by the paradise in the presence of the Lord. How do we know if someone has found the paradise they seek? Well, the amount of joy that they have, I really think, is a level of an indicator. If you look at somebody, sometimes you can tell that if they're happy, you can tell if they're joyous, you can tell if they're sad, you can even tell if they're angry. How many know that? You can tell these things. Some people walk around all the time expressionless or with the same expression and you can't tell. Because they just don't want to let anybody in on what's going on. How do you know if someone has true joy from the Lord? Through their expression and their communication of that joy back to God as well as those around them. I believe that if we truly have the joy of the Lord, that we will, we will joyously allow that to filter back to God and we can tell Him, Lord, I am just so elated because of everything that you have done. And when we have that outlook on life, other people will know. They will know. We will walk around differently than everybody 
else who is in our age of doom and gloom and in this in this age of, of health issues and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you that people are looking for someone that will show them that there is something better than what I'm doing right now. That's a great place to say amen. Are y'all asleep? Hello? Thank you back in the back. Um, the joy of the Lord that He gives to us far exceeds anything that we can ever imagine or think of. And I believe, you know, we don't have any problem at all telling somebody about how great our favorite team was that just won a game. Or we can tell them, man, that meal that I enjoyed at that restaurant was wonderful. The service was excellent. I don't have any problem telling you about how our trip was to the Grand Canyon last week where we, we looked over and we saw this. But I was amazed at the beauty that the Lord brings to this world and this earth. But can I tell you this, that when we allow whatever experience we have in the Lord to just permeate our heart and our soul, not just when we got saved and committed our life to the Lord, but on a consistent and continual basis, then we will have something that other people will desire. Well, I just don't feel that way each and every day. Well, let me tell you something. Maybe you need a deeper experience each and every day with the Lord to cause the joy to be fresh and well up within your heart and within your life. In the Old Testament, there were prescribed worship, prescribed and required worship, sacrifice, offering, and praise. It was written down, you will go to the house of the Lord, you will praise the Lord, you will raise your hands, you will raise your voice. And it was a requirement. And many times people today, I think we really miss out on what the Lord was saying to his people. He says, you know, if this was a requirement of worship, God was saying, this is what I want you to do. And I realize we're not living under the old covenant, but I just have an inkling that if God enjoyed hearing the praise of his people, enjoyed seeing the praise of his people, then he would enjoy the same today. What has changed is the sacrifices and the, 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 the burnt offerings that they had to do then are no longer required because Jesus fulfilled that because He is the perfect sacrifice. But the praise and the rejoicing that goes along with worshiping the Lord. Why is it that we can... Uh, we, we, we're so elated when we have a positive experience somewhere. It's because it just happened and it's fresh on our minds. In our society today, we quickly move from one thing to the next. Quickly. In our 24-hour news cycle, we're talking about this thing today. And then tomorrow, we're talking about something else. And we've forgotten all about that. And then the next day. And sometimes it's an hourly thing. We can forget that we, we even last week, oh yeah, I do remember that. And because of our information that moves so quickly, sometimes we've conditioned ourselves to move so quickly. There was a commercial on one time of, um, of an internet or, or a, a search engine provider that was, uh, that was, causing, that was uh, pushing the fact that ours is different than everybody else's because 
uh, when you go to somebody else's and you, you type this in, then you get all this encyclopedia information. And it's, it's like when somebody asks you about something, you just start rattling off information that you just read. It's like, it's like somebody reading a dictionary to you and you're like, what is that? You know, it's kind of like this trivial pursuit kind of thing where you're just rattling off and they're saying, you know, ours flows more evenly. Well, it's, it's like when we are worshiping the Lord, when we're having the joy of the Lord, we don't want to just throw out what, we, what we've heard. and what We, we want to know about what the depth is, not just the topics, not just the, the results, but we want to know the depth. We need a depth that comes from... from uh, from seeking the Lord. As the priests began their ministry and the prescribed burnt offerings and sacrifices had been made in Leviticus 9.23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. The very presence of the Lord caused them to reverence the Lord and to shout with joy. When the presence of the Lord touches you, what is your response? Is your response is, no, thank you, Lord, move on to somebody else. No, I believe our response should be one of allowing that joy to come out. When David had the Ark of the Covenant brought back to Jerusalem in 1 Chronicles 15 and 16, David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. They made a joyful sound, something that was from within their hearts that, that they would sound, oh, we could, how many's ever heard some, some sad songs? I remember my grandma, she's like, uh, you know, even going to church, sometimes you can get caught up in, in these in slow songs. And, and, and my grandma, even at her advanced age, she's 98, you know, and I, I've heard her say this before. You know, she's like, man, it, it, and she's watching TV, you know, she'll be watching church on TV or even being in service. She's like, man, I wish they'd sing something with a little pep. I, you know, I'm just these slow, draggy songs from beginning to end. It's like, man, can't we do something that's a little more, you know, uh, you know, and some of the songs, if you're not careful, the lyrics can even be like, you know, you're thinking, we need something that will help us to be joyful in the Lord. Make a joyful sound. When King Jehoshaphat defeated Moab and Ammon, the Lord gave them cause to rejoice. In 2 Chronicles 12, 27, then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They had cause to rejoice over their enemies because they had defeated the enemy. They had cause to rejoice. How many know that we have cause to rejoice because Jesus has defeated the devil? When those who had been exiled to Babylon returned after rebuilding of the temple foundation in Ezra chapter 3 verse 12, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud. When they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish 
the sounds of the shouts of joy, they were shouting for joy, from the sounds of weeping. The weeping was the remembrance of what was and what is and seeing that being touched. The Spirit of the Lord, I believe, was upon them and caused them to see and caused them to experience that reflection of who God was then and who He is now. And it says, and the sound was heard far away. When's the last time you heard someone in sounds of joy and praise to the Lord? I believe that it's time that the people of God get a little more vocal with their praise, a little more excited than they perhaps have ever been before. But pastor, I'm reserved. I just don't do that. I don't lift up my hands. I don't raise my voice. No, no, we don't want to do that. We want to praise the Lord with all of our hearts, with everything within us. And if if you're a quiet person, I understand that. I'm married to a lady who's more quiet in nature. And I understand people are different. But I tell you what, some of us us are excitable. Some of us are a little more enthusiastic than perhaps others. Some of us will raise our hands. Some of us may jump up and down a little bit. But I've looked back at at Annette before and I've seen her worship the Lord and I've seen the Spirit of the Lord touch her and tears would just stream down her face. And it's a wonderful thing when you know that the power of the Lord is touching you, the Spirit of the Lord is touching you. It's a wonderful thing to experience that joy and that, that, that inner feeling that comes from the presence of the Lord. I believe it demands a response. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 8, when Nehemiah had the book of the law read after the wall had been completed, it said they read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They were doing that because they hadn't been living according to the law. And now they finally heard the word of God and they understood what it said. And in a repentant heart, they were standing there. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord our God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want strength in your relationship with the Lord. You want strength to come into your spirit. You want to feel more than defeated. You want to feel victorious. Then let the the joy of the Lord well up within you. Don't focus on the regret and everything that you could have done. Focus on yes, I know what the Word of God says and I'm going to do my best from here forward to live up to the word of God but I'm going to rejoice in my salvation Psalm 511 but let all who take refuge in you be glad let them ever sing for joy all those who take refuge in the Lord let them sing for joy pastor you've never heard me sing. that's okay sing anyway it's all right spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Psalm 33 verse 1 says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Are you righteous? You are if you have right standing with God. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are the righteous of God. This is for you. Sing joyfully. 
I don't feel joyfully. Sing until you feel joyfully. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to Him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Why? Verse 4 says, For, which is another word for because, the word of the Lord is right and true. If you can't thank Him or praise Him for anything else, praise Him, shout for joy, because the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of His unfailing love. Maybe you think you've done some things that you're ashamed of. Can I tell you, we've all done some things that we are ashamed of. After David sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51 verse 12, he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. David was a backslider. He had once walked closely with the Lord and he had gotten away and allowed temptation and sin to ensnare him. And he was coming back to God and he says, he says, Lord, restore to me the joy of salvation because I am miserable in this sin. But I need the joy that your salvation brings. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. So he's saying, I want the joy of salvation again so that I can tell other people, don't do this. Get into a place where where you can live by the Lord. Live close to Him and turn back to God. Psalm 118 verse 14 says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. And then it says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. That means if we're a child of God, if we're children of God, there should be something distinguishable about us over other people who don't have a relationship with the Lord. There should be something externally that allows people to see that we have the joy of the Lord. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Proverbs 10, 28 the prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who looked for looking for fine pearls. When he had found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. In joy, it says that this man that found this field, the treasure in the field, he sold everything he had. The treasure is representative of the kingdom of God and our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the priceless treasure that we have. This treasure in earthen vessels. And when we sell out to God, we will sell out to Jesus Christ and we will have the joy that our relationship with Him brings. We're talking about seeking paradise and seeking the presence of the Lord and finding the true source of that paradise, which is joy 
after sending the 72 in ministry, he, they came back amazed at the power of God that had worked through them. And Jesus told them this in Luke 10, 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do you get it, church? I'm talking about reasons that we can praise the Lord. If you can't think of anything, write something down. Use some of these scriptures and just begin to say, Lord, I thank you because my name is written in heaven. I thank you because I know where I'm going. I thank you because I have eternal life. I thank you that I'm not destined for hell. I thank you. And in that, I can have joy and I can have peace. John 15, 10, Jesus said this, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. How many want to have not just joy, but complete joy? Complete joy, which is all the way through. Whole. W-H-O-L-E. Whole joy. Complete joy. Paul and Silas were in prison and after the prison was shaken and they were loose. This is a powerful story. Acts 16 verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He, brought the, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the, they, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. He immediately, he and his, and all, all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Here it is, church. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This man, his whole family were filled with joy because of salvation. That's really our primary reason why we can rejoice and we can have joy. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another. In love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Sometimes when we're going through affliction, it's hard, but we have to be patient. Joyful is the first thing mentioned here. Be joyful in hope because our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And when we are joyful in Jesus, our hope and our relationship with Him, then we can be patient in affliction and then we can be faithful in prayer. And then it goes on to say, share with the Lord's people all who are in need and practice hospitality. If we don't do verse 12, we never get to verse 13. If we're, if we're not able to be joyful and hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer, we'll never be able to share with the Lord's people who are in need because we'll be so wrapped up in our own needs and our own situation. We have to make sure that everything is right between us and God. 
Galatians 5.22 said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. That's just part of them. But the fruit is joy. It is an outbirth. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, the Holy Spirit infills us. Joy is a reflection. How do you know someone is a child of God? Because the fruit of the Spirit is evidence in their life. And one of those fruit is joy. Joy. I believe that as children of God, we we should be examples of what it means to be joyful, what it means to be pleasant, what it means to be what it means to be happy. Even if we aren't allowed to by our circumstances, do we get that the world looks at circumstances to cause their oasis, their paradise, but our paradise is in Jesus Christ and the joy that he brings. James 1 verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy. Jude 24, 25 says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence. You get this, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. How many knows that Jesus is able to keep us from stumbling? And he presents us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Seeking paradise on earth is not what we're here for. Seeking God through a saving relationship with Jesus Christ is really all that matters. The joy and peace that we can only experience through Christ is really what paradise on earth is. At the end of our days on this earth, whatever paradise has been built here will be meaningless because it will not last. Our relationship with Jesus is the only thing that will matter. He is enough until we get to that heavenly paradise that he has prepared for us. Until then, let us seek Jesus. He is our paradise here on earth. He is our, or, or our oasis that will quench out that will quench our thirst in a parched, dry land. Let His joy be made complete in you, church. Maybe you're going through a struggle right now. Let Jesus bring His paradise and His peace into your heart and into your life. He's the only one that can cause real joy to well up within your soul. Let Him do that. Father, today... We thank you that, Lord, our paradise is not something that we build on this earth. Many try, but it's meaningless without you. Lord, we know that it's okay to have nice things, but we don't ever want to think or suppose that that would be a subject. The main thing of our conversation, because our joy is in you. Our paradise, our peace is in you. Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you, God, that you bring that joy to our hearts and lives. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it, God.
the name of